0: If you're turning your Bibles to chapter 13 of the book of John, we'll be in 13 today. If nothing happens, the Lord doesn't come and doesn't change directions. We'll be in John 13 next week. Today, we're going to read for our attention. We'll, be, we'll cover other verses, but for our reading, we're going to look in verses 6 and 7 of John 13 today. And it is good to see each one of you here. It is good to see you here. Um, While you're turning there, you know, left on a sinking ship were a captain, a captain, (laughs) a captain of the ship, and three sailors. They're here on a sinking ship. The captain speaks and he shares. He said, "Men, this business about the captain going down with um, with his ship, it's just nonsense. There's a three-man lifeboat on board this ship. We're going to deploy that lifeboat and I'm going to be on it. Now, whether you get on it or not, is up to you. It depends on if you can answer some questions. So, He looks at the first sailor and he says, can you tell me what ship went down when it hit an iceberg? That sailor said, yeah, that was the Titanic. He said, good, you're on the lifeboat with me. Got to the next sailor and he asked him, he said, do you know how many people died on that ship? He said, yes, 1,517, sir. He said, yes, you're on that boat with us unless he can answer this question. He turned to the third sailor and he asked him now, name them all. (laughs) We know who was left off that lifeboat, don't we? You know, that is, it's a bit funny, isn't it? <laughs> uh, it made me think about several years ago. I think it was in my second year here. Maybe my second year. Some of you know this story. Some of you don't. My second year here, our church goes camping every year at, at Mount Mar, Mar Mountain and uh, Lake Tillery. They go camping and. And they get out on the lake and fish. And I'm not much of a fisherman. But I got on the boat. Brother Eugene had borrowed a boat. And there was Brother Eugene, Miss Hannah, Brother Mike, Miss Sue. And I got on there with them. There are four life jackets on a boat with five people on it. I chose, I said, I I won't need it. I can, I'm a pretty strong swimmer. I'm not worried about that. Well, really didn't think we'd need it anyway. We... Go all across Lake Tillery. I mean, we we I don't know how far down we were from the dock, but we were a long way down. I couldn't have swam that back. We come back and I'm dozing off. It's hot. It's in the middle of the summer and I'm 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 hot and and I'm dozing off, sitting up in the chair. And uh all of a sudden I heard Brother Eugene say, Hannah. What's that under your feet? And I look down and there's water coming in the boat. (laughs) We make it all the way across the lake to where we're we're across dead straight in front of the dock. Now we're across the lake in front of the dock. We're on the shore and the boat is level water high. We don't know what we're doing. Standing outside of the boat on the, on the edge of this soggy ground, and then there comes a big party boat. That big party boat, it comes, and, and they say, well, we, we could take some of you across. And Brother Mike said, preacher, go across. I said, ain't no way. <laughs> I said, you go, go across and, and call and get us some help. I said, ain't no way. <laughs> You, were, you couldn't have paid me to leave them so they could have said, the preacher left us in our time of need. <laughs> For the first time and maybe the only time I was thinking on my feet. <laughs> but they, they had some buckets. They helped us get the water out of the boat. We, uh, the guy said, you could drive it across. Brother Eugene said, hold. This is a barred boat and I can't swim. Are you sure we can get it across? <laughs> the guy said, well, I can get it across. Brother Eugene said, go ahead. And there were there were some ladies. Thank God for those ladies who were on uh, jet skis. And they took us across <laughs> on jet skis. And uh, Brother Mike had a, I think the lady that, that drove him across, her name was Sue as well. And so we, when we were. When we watched them go across with the boat, it got halfway and the, bo- and the back end started going underwater. water. I think Brother Tony had to come by with his boat and throw a rope and pull it in. And when it got in, it was level with water. <laughs> so uh, we had an adventure. We were, it was a challenging day. Would you say that? It was a challenging day. Just like with this illustration, I, I don't want us to miss that we will face challenges in our life. As long as we live here on earth, we're going to be faced with challenges. And chapter 13, as we look in these verses today, we're going to find that the disciples, they were really challenged by our Lord Jesus Christ. And just for a thought, as we're looking in part two today, we're looking at the challenge before the cross. The Bible tells us in verses six and seven, it says, he, did he, came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, while I am doing, you do not understand now, but you will after this. This is God's holy word. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for what our hearts have felt. We thank you, God, that that we're able to come together to worship you in spirit and in truth. And and God, we just thank you that your presence is here today. God, we just thank you that you love us beyond what we could ever imagine. And if we didn't know you through your son, we couldn't even experience what we've already experienced. So now, God, we pray as we turn our attention to your word that you would just speak to our hearts. Hide me behind the cross and speak to your people. And God, we know that you're able to do all things. And we ask that through the power of your Holy Spirit, if there's one who doesn't know you through your son, Jesus Christ, let this be a day that they feel challenged to make a decision for you and God will give you praise for all that's accomplished in Jesus name we do pray amen as we think about This challenge before the cross we have to remember what took place last week. Last week we shared leading up to this passage that the disciples had been arguing over who would hold the leading positions in the kingdom that Jesus would be setting up. The discussion became heated because they They thought they were so caught up in their ambition for position and power and authority. Their pride and ambition was getting in the way of them of really understanding what Jesus had been sent to earth to do. So we notice in the text last week that Jesus was concerned for his disciples before going to the cross. And we know his motivation for his concern, it was pure because he was motivated. By the fact that his hour had come. He was motivated by his love for them and he loved them to the end. And he was motivated because he knew that the devil was working and he was soon strike. So Jesus used a method of displaying his concern that was precise. He knew their ambition and their pride um, would do them no good when Jesus would be betrayed, when he would be arrested, when he would be illegally tried, when he would be beaten and crucified. So he needed to teach them quickly that the glory he wanted for them would not come through position or power or even authority. It would come through service. So what we see in the text today is how Jesus demonstrates his, this, um, his service. How, and the fact that he demonstrates this service, it presents a challenge to them. After Jesus and the disciples had their supper and Judas had left, the Bible tells us that Jesus rose from the supper, laid aside his garments. He took a towel, girded himself with the towel. He poured water in a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet did he wipe their feet with the towel that he had girded himself with. Now, it would help us to understand that in the hot, dusty roads on the countryside of Palestine, most people wore sandals and their feet became extremely dirty. So a water basin was in every home at the doorway. When you entered into a Jewish home, there would be a water basin right there next to the door. And for those who were poor, They washed their feet. But those who had money, those who were of substance, those who may have been rich even, they had a servant or they had a slave who would wash their feet when they walked through the door. And here these disciples, they seem to be challenged. When Jesus looks at Peter, Peter says to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Now there's an emphasis on those words, uh, on each one of those words, Peter is saying, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Peter is really baffled by this. It seems he's taken aback. In chapter 10, we find that Jesus shares with them that with his disciples that he and his father are one. We find that Jesus pointedly even asked Peter at one point, "Who do you say I am?" And Peter's response is, "You are the Christ, the Son of the living God." Peter here, he believed Jesus to be the Christ. He believed him to be the promised Messiah. He was his Lord and his and he was savior of the world. So here Peter is challenged. Seeing that his savior, the very son of God is humbling himself as a slave. He's humbling himself to wash their feet. So the Lord said to him, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but you will after this. It appears Jesus is saying, I know this is challenging for you, but trust me, there's a greater purpose. I know this is challenging for you, but trust me, one day it'll all make sense. I know this is challenging, but trust me, all will be worked out for your good and for God, our father's glory. They didn't understand what was taking place. Jesus knew. So the point is that on the way to the cross, there's a challenge for these disciples. And when we look at this passage, we find what that challenge truly is for the disciples. One, they were challenged with their conviction. Who really is this man? Here after the Lord had the conversation with Peter, he went on to wash their feet. But once he finished, we find in verses 12 and 13 that he put his robe back on and he asked them, do you know what I've done to you? It appears here that the disciples were were still somewhat confused. So Jesus shares, you call me teacher and Lord, you say well, for so I am. So it appears in that moment, Jesus is challenging the focus on what they actually believe about him he's challenging their conviction over who he is to them he, they called him teacher and lord but now he washes their feet and they're confused So Jesus wants them to know that, yes, their teacher who taught them the principles for living their faith in his steps on the Mount of Olives is, in fact, their Lord who they witnessed to to do many miracles, none short of raising the dead. It was him who was washing their feet. The disciples did not understand what Jesus was doing right there in their lives. And it was challenging their conviction of who it is. You know, if we, when we think about this, we find as we continue to read and study the Bible, we find that though they were challenged in their conviction, ultimately, we, they, their conviction never changed. We, we remember, we remember in the book of Acts, I think it's somewhere around chapter 3 and 4, we find the, the formation of the early church is taking place, and Peter and John go up to the temple. And they, as they approach the temple, they notice a man begging, who had been lame from birth, uh, sitting there at the gate called Beautiful. And as the man saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he was asking alms of them. In other words, he was begging for money from them. And, and Peter looked at the man it said, silver and gold I did not have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Peter had a conviction of who Jesus was at this time. And as the man stood to his feet, his ankles received strength, and he began to praise God. And when the people realized what had happened, they looked to Peter and John, and Peter declared, we have no power. We have no authority. There's not enough godliness in us to make this man walk but it's through the power of Jesus Christ the, the Holy One who you killed who you crucified who was raised from the dead Peter continued at that point to challenge the people's conviction over who Jesus is he challenged them to repent and to be converted and by because of Peter's preaching Peter and John were arrested and the next day the religious leaders and the elders they asked by what power Did this lame man become healed? Peter being filled with the Holy Spirit shared by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, who God raised from the dead by him. This man stands here before you whole. The religious leaders seeing that they had no leg to stand on. They instructed Peter and John to not spread this message among the people any longer. But Peter spoke, and he spoke his conviction. I shared he was challenged when Jesus was washing his feet, but we see his conviction never truly changed. He said, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. In other words, Peter said, I'm going to preach what my teacher has taught me. I'm going to declare what I have seen my Lord do. Yes, Peter's conviction uh, and who Jesus was may have been challenged, but it never changed. So my question becomes to us, when we don't understand What Jesus is doing in our lives. Are we. Is our conviction over who he is. Does it. Is it challenged. Or does it change. I mean if we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We have declared that we believe he is the only begotten son of God. But does our conviction. Change when we face a bend in the road. When we're faced with a disruptive moment, do we begin to doubt his love for us? When we see tragedy on the news, do we begin to question if he is still on his throne? When when it seems like evil behavior is being rewarded, do we question if he is even real? You know, when we find that our conviction of who Jesus is is being challenged, we can know that our enemy is at work. He is roaming like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And it would help us to remember that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And we can remember Psalm 45 and 6 says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. We can remember that in Psalm 47 and 8, God reigns over the nations. He sits on his holy throne we can remember psalm eighty ninety four, which says your seed i will establish forever and build up your throne to all we can know that that though we may be challenged from time to time in this life we don't have to change our conviction because he is who he says he is i'm found That we can remember Psalm 30 and 5 in troubled times. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy is coming in the morning. And if we believe God, if we believe in God, we can also believe in our Lord Jesus Christ. He, He and our Father are one. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And we cannot let our conviction of who Jesus is be changed when we're faced with a challenge that we don't understand. Our lives are filled with challenges we don't understand. But we need to hold on to that conviction. <laughs> we need to hold on to that conviction, hold on to our faith. Because the faith that we have is faith he's given us. So we, sh- we strengthen that faith. faith. We strengthen that faith by continuing to trust him even when we don't understand. Yes, there was a challenge to their conviction, but we also see the challenge of their conduct. I told you they were arguing over who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. But after this and after their conviction of who he is is settled, Jesus challenges them again. Verses 14 and 15 He challenges them about their conduct. He says, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Boy, that's challenging. Is it not? I'm not letting you near my feet. (laughs) But it's challenging, isn't it? It's challenging to humble ourselves down. And to take care of someone. If Jesus is the disciples Lord and teacher. Then they are his servants right? The servant of Jesus must serve Jesus as their Lord and teacher. But if Jesus is soon to depart from them. How would they best serve him? They had to be asking that question. Now you're telling us that you're our example to serve you, but you're also telling us you're going to leave us. How do we serve you if you're going to leave us? We must serve Jesus By trusting what he says Here they acknowledge him as their teacher But they also serve him best By following his example Or obeying him We all know the song don't we Trust and obey For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus But to trust and obey It seems this is what this is leading to If we're going to serve him We must trust him and obey him he is the Lord. And if they are to do what he says or what he does, then they're not going to serve themselves. Instead, they're going to serve others. Mark, 40, Mark 10 and 45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So the disciples here, their, their conduct as servants of God were being challenged. Queen Victoria, when she was a child, she didn't know that she was in line to be the queen of England. Her instructors, they were trying to prepare her for her future and they became frustrated because she wasn't motivated. And there was nothing they could do to motivate her. She just didn't, she didn't take her studies well. She, she was rambunctious. She'd done what she wanted to do when she wanted to do it. She just didn't take life serious. And finally, her teachers decided we've got to tell her that she's going to become the queen of England. And upon hearing this, that she would one day become the queen of England, Victoria quietly said, then I will be good. The realization that she had inherited this high calling of serving the people of England, it gave her a sense of responsibility that profoundly and affected her conduct from there on. (laughs) You know, as someone who has trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, Someone who truly believes that he is the only begotten son of God. How are you challenged or how are we challenged to conduct ourselves as servants of Jesus Christ? It's a high and a holy calling to be a representative a representative of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And becoming a representative of our Lord Jesus Christ, we know that we have been set free from the penalty of sin. We know that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. We know that if we make our petitions known to him, we can boldly come to his throne and we will obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Knowing this, how how are we motivated or how are we challenged to conduct our lives? Can I suggest... That we conduct ourselves by trusting our teacher. We do this by spending time in God's word. We must spend time reading, studying, and meditating on the word of God. The word of God must become a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. And we must hide his words in our heart that we may not sin against him. But we don't just read, we don't just study and meditate on his word, we conduct ourselves by obeying God's word. This means we apply his word to our lives. It's not enough to be able to quote his word, we must apply it to our lives and live it out that when people see us, they see Christ, they see his word lived out in us. Amen. What they you see. If they see his life lived out in us, they'll see a sacrificial love. The same sacrificial love he extended to us, we will extend it to one another. We, we will follow his example and be willingly willing to give him everything that we have and all of who we are. We will show him and the world will see that we love him enough to trust him with our lives. But we don't just trust him with our lives. We must share him with the world. I think we we probably do very good. I'd say many Christians do exceptionally well at just giving our lives to Christ. And trusting him even in the hard times of our lives. But how well do we conduct ourselves when it comes to sharing Christ with the world? Oh, the Jews, they done great. They done great living separated from the world, but that's all they done. They lived separated from the world. They followed the law, but they didn't share their God with others. And we're called to share Christ with the world. Some of us may never lead a mission team. Some of us may never teach a a class. Some of us may never preach from a pulpit, but we can all have gospel conversations with someone who is seeking comfort, someone who's seeking strength, someone who's seeking peace, joy, and hope. We can share how Christ has challenged, has changed our lives and how he will do the same for anyone else who will call upon the name of the Lord. So church family, Our conduct should exemplify that Jesus Christ is our teacher and he is our Lord. Whenever we're challenged by what the world throws at us, the world should see that Christ is our teacher and Christ is our Lord. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe... There is someone here today who's not yet accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Before he can be your teacher and Lord, he's got to be your Lord and your Savior. You've got to trust him with your life. And when you trust him with your life, then he'll pour himself into you and he'll teach you all things. And he'll take you into places you never imagined you could go. If you were to ask me, if you were to ask me January of 2000, would I know you who are in here today? I'd have to say no. But God has taken me on a journey because I've allowed him to be Lord of my life. Do I fail my Lord? Yes, I do. Do I break his heart? There's been times my heart's just burst because I broke his heart. And it happens more than I'm proud of. But he's faithful to his word. He'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you. He'll love you to the end if you're trusting with your life. And he'll change your life. He'll give you hope and joy and peace. He'll give you comfort and love like you've never experienced. And he'll give you a family that you can call on when times get rough that'll pray with you, that'll cry with you, that'll laugh with you. He'll give you a family that will rejoice in your highs and weep in your loves we can't judge you because we fall in the same place we just love one another would you today as they begin to sing this song of invitation would you today consider your eternal life by accepting the challenge to believe in who Jesus is And committing to conduct your life as a servant of his. Would you today?